On the show today is Stephen Hall. Stephen was handpicked by John Cleese to play the legendary role of Basil Fawlty in the new production of Fawlty Towers Live. That's touring Australia. Also hear my review of that and my review of Bill Bailey as well as other film and DVD reviews. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. That's right, we've been doing this for 50 episodes and over two years now, which is remarkable. Uh, who knew that when we started out with this podcast that millions of people around the world would listen to it and would get such fabulous guests. Uh, so don't forget the entire archive of Benjamin Mamakay's Talk To Me is available for streaming on the website and of course you can go straight through to iTunes as well by clicking the subscribe button and you can listen over there. Now, today's interview with Stephen Hall was recorded a few months back when the show was uh, was still in Melbourne, so it was just opening, and uh, I've, uh, I've saved it up now that uh, the show's in Adelaide, you can get tickets here, and then of course it's, uh, it's continuing its tour to a few more uh, Australian states, and I know that it's John Cleese's plan to uh, mount a production of Faulty Towers Live in uh, England, as well as hopefully America, and uh, Australia was really the testing ground for it. So here's my interview with Stephen, and then here my review of that and uh, Bill Bailey's new show as well. Uh, but don't forget, tickets to Faulty Towers for Adelaide and uh, all the other Australian states are available right now. There's a link in the show notes. But first, enjoy my chat with Stephen Hall. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. Now, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performing arts? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it's it's always been something that I've been interested in since I was very, very young. And uh, actually, my mum was an actress for a time. And uh, so when I was six and uh, even younger, I was dragged off to the theatre and rehearsals and sort of, I think I caught the bug then. Um, and uh, then did a lot of amateur theatre and um, school plays. And it was always something that I really um, loved. Mm. And what training did you undertake to get to where you are today? Um, well, I did, as I say, a lot of amateur theatre when I was a kid um, and children's theatre workshops and then school plays and then uh, after that I went and studied drama at university. That was at uh, La Trobe University. That was more of an academic than a vocational course but um, and uh, a lot of theatre. But as soon as I left school, I got an agent and um, started getting bits and pieces of work. I also wrote and performed a bit of stand-up comedy. So a lot of on-the-job training, I guess you'd say. I didn't uh, go to NIDA or VCA or uh, any of those vocational institutions, but it was more on-the-job training and learning as I go. Do you think that's the best way for young actors to learn the craft? Um, well, I, you know, I think it's good, but I, I could, can't really speak to that because I don't have the, the advantage of uh, having done the, the formal training, so I can't really compare the two, but... Uh, I think uh, yeah, when you're thrown in the deep end, I think you learn pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, sink or swim. Yes. Now, you've done a lot of work for TV, and obviously now you're in theatre. How are you finding the adjustment between the mediums? Well, I had done um, a, a fair bit of theatre growing up, but uh, there are certainly, you were, uh, doing a show such as this, a lot more energy and stamina is required, and um, with TV, of course, if you make a mistake or get it wrong, you can go back and do it again. Um, but uh, there's nowhere to hide in theatre, and uh, it's just you, you have to engage fully with it, and uh, it's, it's also I'm drawing on former experiences doing stand-up comedy, and I've, I've done a couple of 
comedy festival shows and a big one-man show. And I think I think the main thing to remember is <clears throat> once you're on the stage, um, there's no getting off, and it's you're in the spotlight, and away you go, and there's nowhere to hide. And so you have to commit 110. percent Hmm. And what happens if you can't connect with an audience? <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> you uh, work like anything until you do. I think in in, in times times come by when I used to do stand up, there would be there would be quiet audiences and there would be you know um, raucous audiences, and there are some that you just have to work harder and you have to go to them and you have to pull out every trick in your toolbox and um, just work harder then some some will come to you and it's, it's 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 not a question of not connecting with an audience you have to connect with the audience there's no two ways about it there's no plan B um, and so sooner or later you, you just have to get them on your side or get them engaged or, or, or draw them in uh, and so I think it's, it's just a matter of um, reading an audience and uh Sometimes you really have to put your foot on the accelerator. Mm. And which do you prefer, TV or theatre? Um, well, they, they, they both have their appeal. And uh, geez, TV, you reach a, a much wider audience, of course, and uh, and you can, as I say, have a, a second shot at it sometimes if, if it doesn't go 100% perfectly. But... Um, Oh, theatre, there's, there's just nothing like the buzz. And in this show, the show that we're doing at the moment, just creating it or, or being a part of facilitating so much joy for so many people in a room with you at the same time and all sharing that big organic experience, it's just, there's there's no high quite like it. It's just it's just amazing. It's, mm. it's, yeah, it's just, that's, that's why we do this. This is why we're here. Very true. Now, you're currently starring in John Cleese's theatrical adaptation of Faulty Towers as Basil. What was the audition process like for such a high-profile show? Well, um, it was an audition audition process like most others, but, of course, everyone going for it was a huge fan, and it it comes with such weight uh, attached to it and such uh, expectation because, as we all know, Faulty Towers is a classic and very much loved and it's it's uh, is a huge has left a huge footprint on the comedy landscape so it, it was an audition like any other but people were pretty nervous and in going in and approaching it I, I, I sort of thought well I'm a, I don't know what I thought I thought I, I'm a good fit for this this is a good fit for me I'm going to give it my all and um, try and not think about the big picture just try and focus on playing the character in these scenes that I've been given and um, that worked enough to get me back to the second audition and then the third and I sort of kept that mindset throughout of just be the character be, this is a real character he's really reacting to stuff that's really going on around him and don't try and do an impression of John Cleese playing Basil Fawlty. I think it's, it's I was just trying to play Basil Fawlty. Mm. And obviously you ended up auditioning for John Cleese. How do you audition for him while playing his character? You, yes, exactly. <laughs> How do you? And on, the, on the morning of the big day, and it was, a, it was a really long audition session, it was about eight hours, and... Um, 
and he would, there were all the perspective Basils and all the perspective Sybils and Pollys and Manuels, uh, and we would go into the audition room in various combinations and then come out and then go in again in different combinations. And we had, the Basils had eight scenes to learn. And um, one thing that he, he came out at the start to all of us, and we were all fairly nervous, and he gathered around in the foyer and, and he said, um, he came out and gave a little speech and said, well, I want I want you all to feel very, very nervous and very intimidated, and I hopefully the words will come really difficultly difficult to you. So he was just sort of obviously uh, sort of uh, hooking into what we were thinking. Um, but yeah, on the day I just sort of thought to myself, just keep doing what you've been doing. And he was one of the people at the long intimidating trestle table of the uh, you know the decision makers, and. Uh, when I heard him laughing at what I was doing, well, there's sort of not many sweeter sounds than that. No. And obviously the role of Basil is, is very, very physical. How do you prepare each day for something with that amount of energy? Uh, yes. I, I, uh, when I found out that I'd, I'd got it, I did, for the first time in my life, started doing yoga. And um, <clears throat> I have a friend who's a yoga instructor, and so... Um, she worked out a program for me, and, and that's what I try to do each day. And that's, yeah, just general stretching and flexibility because I, I haven't played a lot of sports and I'm not naturally very flexible. But, uh, yeah, I've been taking that pretty seriously, and um, I'm really glad that I did because, yeah, as you say, it is it is very physical, and uh, there are some, yeah, there, there are some... Uh, things that could be damaging to the, <laughs> to the body if, uh, if the body wasn't properly prepared. Mm. And also it must be quite a, a vocally exerting show. I mean, there's a lot of yelling, well, from what I, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I'm aware of. Um, how, how do you keep your voice safe for eight shows a week? Yeah, <clears throat> this has been an issue. Uh, and in, uh, in rehearsals, there was one uh, stretch of time, there's, yeah, there is one particular scene where there's a lot going on and I'm needing to be heard over the top of a, a, a fire bell ringing and on the in rehearsal process that was a scene that we did time and time and time again uh, on the one day which obviously wouldn't happen in a show situation um, and doesn't happen in a show situation but uh, that did take its toll and my voice uh, went away during the rehearsal process and that was a bit scary and because <clears throat> <laughs> I need it. Um, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it was just fatigue and it was fatigue and, and then a fantastic uh, voice doctor uh, called um, Deb Fyland is, is attached to the production and so I had a session with her and she gave me exercises and, and uh, there are various things you can do to relax the vocal cords and uh, steaming and, and various vocal exercises. So you know, I, I do make a point of doing that before each show as part of the warm-up, and, uh, but it certainly does put the voice through its paces. But it, now that we're in the season, and it is eight shows a week, um, believe it or not, the strain is less than it was in rehearsal because in rehearsal we were doing it eight hours a day for six days a week. Uh, and you know, once, now that the season's up and running, the contact hours, if you like, are, are not, as, uh, not as many. Mm. So were you a fan of the original series? Oh, very much so, yeah. I, I came to it uh, by way of Monty Python. I'm a tragic Monty Python fanboy. And uh, when it, I remember watching it when it first came out in Australia. Um, it's 
would have been yeah, late seventies, I guess. Um, I was ten or something, and I do remember watching it religiously each week and. At, at a couple of moments actually falling off the couch with laughter um, and having tears streaming down my face. So that I'm very pleased to say that there's a couple of a couple of those moments uh, are actually in the stage show. So to um, <clears throat> to go back in time and see that little chubby, red-headed 11-year-old falling off the couch laughing and telling him that this is what he would be doing in 2016, uh, well, you'd have to be a pretty good clairvoyant, I reckon. Certainly would. Now, you mentioned that you, you're not impersonating John Cleese. So how is your version of Basil different to his? Well, I think there are... Um, when I say I'm not impersonating, there are certain uh, postures and physicalities and, and mannerisms and um, vocal uh, inflections and things that uh, are pure Basil and that I've tried to sort of... Uh, incorporate and pay tribute to, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that sounds like I am impersonating John Cleese now, but um, <clears throat> I think it's just I try and do it a little bit from from the inside out, and just think about this man and his hang-ups and his problems and his unhappy marriage and his unhappy social station, and how that informs how he reacts to this world around him and this uh, job that he finds himself in, which is a terrible job for him to be in. He shouldn't be running a hotel. I mean, it's just, it's just bad, <laughs> a bad choice of vocation for the man. Um, so I think it's him and him very much being a real and flawed person uh, and reacting to the situations he finds himself in and the situation he puts himself in. He keeps on digging that hole um, rather than thinking, oh, what would John Cleese do in this moment? It's, it's, it's a bit more what would Basil do in this moment. Mm. That makes sense. It does, yeah. And uh, John Cleese has also written some new material for the show to link up some adapted TV scripts. What was it like reading new Faulty Towers for the first time since the original run? Yeah, man, that was a thrill. That was amazing. That, that was amazing, because yeah, that was like, we got the, we got the, the script... Um, about halfway through June, I think it was, and um, yeah, it was like Christmas, and and I felt like really in a rare privileged position of just cracking it open and reading it, and yeah, as you say, it's just a few a few new gags, a few little linking things, a few things that were never in the show. Um, <laughs> that's one of those moments where you step outside and just think, wow, again, as a as a fanboy, what a what a privileged position to be in. Um, just amazing. That's, that, what a gift. Mm. And what episodes of the show are you using and why do you think these ones in particular resonate with stage audiences? Uh, the episodes are The Hotel Inspectors and Communication Problems, which features Mrs Richards, the hard-of-hearing and quite uh, difficult guest, uh, and The Germans. And there's a little bit of Basil the Rat thrown in for good measure. And as to as to why they were chosen, I'm not, not quite sure. I haven't really thought about it in that much detail because, to be honest with you, I haven't watched the show back in quite a while apart from these episodes. When I found out I had it, I went back and watched these four episodes and, you know, to get a, a handle on mm. how they did it. How they did it. And, uh, so the other eight I have not watched 
years, I think it's fair to say. I'm, I mean, I'll go back and watch them again at some stage, of course, because, you know, they're classics and they're enjoyable. But I, I sort of deliberately didn't want to put too much of... I don't know, I, I did deliberately didn't want to immerse myself in John's performance of Basil too much in, in case it did colour what I was doing too much, if that makes sense. It certainly does, yeah. And and do you think that you have to be a fan of the TV show to enjoy this production? No, I don't think you do. I think there um, people have been bringing kids along to it, and uh, kids. My my daughter is is ten, and um, she's seen it and she enjoyed it, and and she wasn't that familiar with the original show. Um, so I don't think you do. I think it's once you once you get in there and you work out what's going on, um, you are just in for a very funny night at the theatre. It's a really funny show and the structure of it is really cleverly done and it's, you know, Act 1 is, you know, stands on its own as a piece of theatre and Act 2 stands on its own as a piece of theatre and, and it all, the pace of it sort of really builds to a crescendo and it's and it's really, it's just a, a very fun funny night at the theatre I think and, and as I say you don't need to know the characters, you don't need to know who anyone is because it all becomes pretty clear pretty quickly um, and uh, yeah, it, if, you, if you do know it then you will have the, that sort of joy of nostalgia and recognition um, but if you don't know it then you're in for a treat because it's a really funny show. Certainly sounds like it. Now um, you had opening night a couple of weeks back and the reviews were wonderful which must be hugely gratifying. But was there ever a, a moment of fear where, where you were worried that you'd be too closely compared to the original show or that people weren't going to come out because they could just watch it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is, a, it is uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it is, and people might not think it is, but I think it is a risky proposition. It could, if it didn't work, then it wouldn't have worked in a spectacular way. Uh, and, and that would not be uh, something that... Uh, John would be wanting to have as part of his career at this stage, I would have thought, if it didn't work. But uh, it's been so cleverly done and and so, not seriously, but um, so professionally and meticulously uh, and painstakingly directed uh, that it does, it does work. But I do remember uh, hearing the first review... Um, and there was actually a review of one of the previews, and uh, I was really nervous. And um, one of the cast read it out to to us at uh, at warm up that night, and um, it said something nice about me. And I and I just felt an absolute wave of relief, I just relief, and I almost you know I, I almost sort of teared up because. We've been working so hard, and, and I just felt, oh, thank goodness, I'm, I'm on the right track, you know, because if I wasn't, then, oh, dear. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I just felt a wave of relief, and then in, in, in subsequent reviews, it's just been elation. It's been fantastic. Mm. And are you normally an actor who will read the reviews, or generally do you stay clear of them? Well, I, I told myself going into this, there's no way I'm going to read any reviews. I'm not going to read any reviews. Um, I gather that you know some of the news, good or bad, will leak through to me. But if, if I give myself a media blackout, then good or bad, they can't put me off my game because a good review can put you off your game as much as a bad review can. 
Um, and that vow lasted all of about five minutes. I have read, <laughs> read all the reviews, um, and uh, yes, I, I, I think, I mean, thankfully it's sort of definitely gone generally in a, in a good way, but the main thing about this show is that the audiences are loving it. They're just absolutely loving it. And by the end of the night, it, it works its magic every night. And uh, even when they're a bit quieter by the end, they're just... It just really swept away by it. It's, it's such a joy to be part of. Mm. And obviously, by the end of this run, you'll you'll have done this show many, many, many times. Do you ever think there's a, a danger of becoming complacent, and how do you plan to combat that? Yeah, that's a good point, and this is something that the director says to us as well. And it is something that we do need to remind ourselves every every night before we go out there is that you know this is the first time these events have happened to these characters. These characters don't know what's coming next. And uh, this is the first time they've been confronted with this situation. It's the first time that character has said that to this character. And all of these things which <clears throat> you do need to, to um, keep in the back of your mind and as, as a sort of a, a little no, layer of, on, your, on your performance or an element of your performance. And the other thing that I tell myself is that um, every night this exact audience, they've never seen this before. This is new. That's, this is new for them. Let's, let's, you know, let's give them something fresh and shiny and um, they're in for a treat and um, yeah let's, let's give, give it our best for them because they've never seen this before and uh, they've forked out their hard-earned money to come and see it and uh, we're going to give them make sure it's worthwhile for them. Mm. And do you think this is the kind of show the audiences will return to see time and time again? I don't know I, I guess so um, it, it's one of those shows that when people enjoy it, they really, really enjoy it. Uh, and perhaps people will uh, you know, want to introduce their friends to it and come a second time with a different friend or... Because or, 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 that's, that's a special, another layer of fun to be had, introducing it to someone else and, and, you know, sharing the laughs with them. So, yeah, I, I guess so. I, yeah, hmm. if, you're, if you're a big fan, um, you, yeah, you've only got, as, as we say, it's a limited season each, in each city that we play so there's only a finite number of times to see it so maybe and what do you think it is about faulty towers that creates its wide appeal well i think it has well the, the writing is brilliant and it's, it's sort of like a textbook example of how to do a very funny farce the performances are all great uh and this little world that John Cleese and Connie Booth created is, it, it, it's, it's a very sort of living, breathing world of that time. And you, you do feel like these are all real people and you're, you're sort of spying on them a bit. I think also, structurally, that it's, you know, it's, it's fast and it's funny and it's, uh, it's brilliantly edited as well. And uh, it, it's very sort of densely packed. Um, and there are also, I think, a lot of different types of comedy in the show. And so there is a bit of, you know, to say there's something for everyone is a, is a trite phrase, but I, but I think there are elements of real slapstick, real sort of broad slapstick comedy. There's really clever wordplay. There's, there's um, confusion and mistaken identities and communication problems. There's people talking across purposes. There's um, double entendres. There's... All of these different types of uh, comedy 
uh, all blended into this one world where you never quite know what's going to happen next, but it all makes perfect sense. And there, when there are surprises, when the surprises come, you go, ah, oh, yes, of course, oh, that's brilliant. Of course, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I just think it's just very, very cleverly crafted, and the writing does still hold up because structurally it's great, the characters are really strong, and as I say, there's all these different elements and types of comedy. Uh, as I say, as I said earlier, my 10-year-old daughter came, and there's bits in there that she really, really loved, and there are people, there are jokes there that older people love, and there are jokes that <laughs> just something... I don't want to say something for everyone, but there is kind of something for everyone. <laughs> and uh, what's been the the best experience, the best moment working on the show so far? It had to be uh, opening night, and the the reception of the show on opening night, and also uh, in in the curtain call, John came out and. Um, uh, took a bow and went in, sort of held my hand up like a, a boxer, like a winning boxer, you know, in the ring. Mm. And um, that was that was a moment where that was just not just a career highlight, but kind of a life highlight. And I, I just um, started thinking about my <coughs> my departed mum, who, who would have loved to have seen that. And that was a very emotional and uh, yes I turned into a bit of a blubbering wreck after that, uh, that fair was, enough uh, that, was a, that was a good one that was um, yeah they don't come much better than that moment to be honest certainly not well in 30 seconds or less can you sell the show to someone who's never heard of Faulty Towers before no <laughs> um, <laughs> no I'll give it I'll give it a go Benjamin um, <clears throat> Faulty Towers um Fawlty Towers is a, is a classic British comedy that has stood the test of time and it takes place with, in a hotel with one of the rudest men you will ever encounter in your life. And... <sighs> there's every type of comedy in there. There's, uh, I'm going to say something for everyone again. <laughs> well, you did it in 30 seconds. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, oh dear. Uh, it's really funny. Go and see it. I, I think that that's a slogan that they should put on the poster. It's very funny. Go and see it's it. It's really funny. Go and see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the show is on tour around Australia. Where can people see Faulty Towers over the next few months? Uh, well, we are in Sydney until uh, the uh, 18th of September, so a couple more weeks here. Then we're off to Melbourne from September 21st for a month. Uh, then after that, plays in Adelaide for a month. I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but uh, then we're in Perth, and then uh, then Brisbane, uh, starting in Brisbane on December the 28th, and then after that there's um, a season, a short season in New Zealand, um, which finishes up that's in February March next year, and so we uh, there's plenty of opportunities to see it, and um, we're we're only just getting started. Certainly is. Now, when you're on the road for for so long, what happens to your life and, and family and everyone you know in your actual home city? Yes. Well, this is um, we're coming up to the end of our, our Sydney season now, and this has been I have a, a, a wife and a ten year old daughter, and uh, this is the longest I've ever been away from them, and so that's been um, yeah a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge, and that's something that. Um, 
you know, it's been a little bit of a downside, but, uh, yeah, we've been nine weeks here in Sydney, and they have been able to come up and visit a couple of times, which has been fantastic, and, and they were able to come to opening night, which was just wonderful. Uh, then, yeah, as I say, in a couple of weeks, we're off to Melbourne, which is my hometown, so that's all fine, that'll be great. Uh, and then the other seasons are slightly, uh, they're all about a month, and so that's not as long as it has been up here in Sydney, and, um, we do sometimes have the opportunity to have a day off on Monday, so sometimes the opportunity to race home on Sunday night and come back on Monday night for a week visit. But um, yeah, it's um, it's it's a little bit of a little bit of a, a wrench being away from them, but. Um, when you see the show, it's worth it. <laughs> oh, well, you've certainly sold me on it today. Um, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Um, well, do, when, when you're starting out, do as much as you can and um, learn and keep your mouth shut and your ears open and just learn from those who have gone there before you and just have humility and learn your craft and uh, if, if you can uh, get advice or tips or, or, or anything from someone who's been there and done that, then, then do. But um, the more you do, the better you get. It's like flying hours, you know, you, you, and do, do drama and do comedy and do all sorts of things. Do short films, make your own stuff. There's never been, it's never been easier to create your own content everyone's got a everyone's got a decent video camera in their pocket at all times uh and so you can create your own stuff you can broadcast your own stuff online which um we never had in my day you young whippersnapper uh so yeah i think you can create if you're a creative person then you can create your own work and you can get yourself seen if you have the ambition and drive and um persistence mm. um so go for it <laughs> Well, thank you very much for your wise words today, Stephen, and all the best for the rest of the, the season and the tour. Oh, my pleasure, Benjamin. Thanks very much for having me. That was my chat with Stephen Hall, and as I said, a link to where you can buy tickets for the remainder of the Faulty Towers tour is in the show notes for this podcast. Now, as I said, I had the great pleasure of seeing Faulty Towers live a few weeks ago in Sydney, and it is a very, very good production. The cast uh, are fantastic. They really do take on the role, the iconic roles to the best of their ability, and the scripts chosen uh, do suit the stage, and there are little little new bits of Faulty Towers, not huge amounts, I don't go expecting to see new Faulty Towers, uh, but there are a couple of little links, and a really nice big uh, culmination at the end, They instead of letting each episode run its course, they tie everything together in a very theatrical way, which I did appreciate uh, greatly, it has huge uh, comedic effect on the stage. My my concern uh, with the show, and it isn't anyone's fault, it, it's more the fact that Faulty Towers is so iconic for its cast. Uh, you, you associate immediately John Cleese with, with Basil. And as I spoke to Stephen about it, you know, something he was very careful of was that he didn't you know, try and copy too much, but he still played Basil. And my only issue that I was always blatantly aware I wasn't watching John Cleese, and I wasn't watching uh, you know, Connie Booth, and I wasn't watching the original cast, and of course, 
you know, anyone who loves the, the Faulty Towers as much as I do, and I think that the DVDs are fantastic, and I've rewatched the show numerous times and, and know a fair few lines, and I was there with a, a few other Faulty Towers fans. And the issue is that you, you still associate this dialogue and these characters with the original actors, so it does detract just a little bit, and as I said, through no fault of their own. The production looks amazing, the set is fantastic, the costumes are identical to what was worn in the show. It looks brilliant, the actors are great, the way the scripts have, have been adapted works seamlessly on stage, but it is the fact that you aren't watching original Falsy Towers, and that is a little bit disappointing, really. But this is the only way it could have been brought to life. There was no other way of doing it, and I do commend everyone who's been involved in this production. And it, it's certainly a solid production. If you're a casual fan of Faulty Towers or someone who's never seen it before and, and wants to get into it, you'll love it. it it's, it's great. It really is. But as I said, as, as a huge fan of the show, it's a little bit harder to um, appreciate seeing other people play these roles. But I still, I still did enjoy myself. I still laughed a lot. And I do recommend you see it, as I said, if you're a casual fan or if you want to get into the series. Otherwise, if you're a really, really diehard fan, you may not love it quite as much. But it's still a solid show. Now, the other show I got to review just last night was Bill Bailey's Larks in Transit. It's his new, uh, it's his new show. It's uh, having its world premiere in Australia. He's played a few cities. And I also got to review Bill Bailey's tour last time around when he was here with Limboland. And as I said back then, he is one of the funniest stand-ups to see live. I have now had the pleasure of seeing him twice, and he gets better each time you see him. Larks in Transit is a brilliant show. He's very funny, very political, very clever. Uh, his musical comedy is subliminal. There's very little to fault about Bill Bailey's new stand-up show. In fact, I think it'd be one of the rare occasions where I give a show five stars, which long-time listeners of this show know I don't often give five stars to uh, theatrical productions or any sort of live show, but Bill's ability to work with an audience, to adapt to the circumstances, he ended up having somebody sing him a, a dedicated song in the audience that evening. Um, his improvisational skills, his physicality, his musicality, it, it's all brilliant, and I, I do sincerely recommend that you go see Bill Bailey if you get the opportunity and he's in your state or city and uh, just find find a way to see him because he is definitely the best stand-up comic I've seen in quite a while. So I did thoroughly enjoy that show and I gave it uh, five stars for Bill Bailey's Larks in Transit. Now there are always movie reviews on the website and I think I saw the best movie of the year uh, a few nights ago. It's called Nocturnal Animals, and I gave that one five stars, but there are a whole ton of movie reviews over on the movie reviews section of the website, so head over there and check out all those reviews, and uh, also while you're there, check out our, uh, our fantastic supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas, who have recently uh, announced renovation plans. Not only are they opening a brand new cinema out at Prospect, but they are, they are closing the Nova building and opening uh, four new screens on the Palace side, uh, which will make more sense if you're an Adelaide-based listener, but um, Palace Nova have always operated in two buildings, and they're merging into, into one with a few more screens, which is fantastic, so congratulations to Palace, and uh, we can't wait to see the new building. And also our supporters, Mad Zombie Collectibles and Via Vision Entertainment. And Via Vision Entertainment have some fantastic new releases out that have just arrived on my door, which I can't wait to, uh, to check out and give reviews for you next time. And they include the BBC's Complete Shakespeare Collection. That's every Shakespeare play ever filmed as a movie, and it's now on DVD. And also The Hollow Crown, uh, a new adaptation of Shakespeare with Benedict Cumberbatch in a leading role. Then the Blu-ray release of Two Sir With Love. 
and the complete Degrassi High collection, and uh, Spin City's complete collection, all out on DVD now, and I look forward to bringing reviews of those next month. Now, as I said, this is our 50th episode, which is a huge, a huge uh, milestone to achieve as a podcast, and we will be having two very special episodes to uh, commemorate the anniversary uh, towards the end of the year and early next year, um, and they'll be a best of and a best of the advice, and I'll uh, go through the details of those a little bit later on. But uh, join me in the next podcast where I talk to Will Smith, the comedian and two-time Emmy Award winner for his work on the TV series Veep. And um, we, uh, we have a chat about his work, his stand-up, his books, and of course, The Thick of It and Veep. So stay tuned for that. And then after that, my chat with Anthony Rapp, the original Mark in Rent. So a lot of exciting interviews to see the year out. I've been your host, Benjamin Mamike. See you next time. <laughs>